And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. If you look at the world around you today, your life experience, what we read in the daily headline news, it's clear that the family has been under attack and assault for many, many decades now and from many different directions. And is it any wonder? The family is designed by God, that integral group between husband and wife and children that is designed to be self-encouraging, self-supporting, self-motivating, self-protecting. And recognizing that, the enemy, of course, realizes that if he can tear the family apart, he can not only impact a society and a culture, but even lay waste, in some respects, to the effectiveness of the church. And so when a church ministry focuses on this most important aspect of society and of the church, we want to celebrate that and bring that to you, as we do in our conversation today with a very special guest, Pastor Breed Jackson, co-pastor along with Bishop R.A. Jackson of Solid Rock Cathedral Church of Vallejo. And Pastor Jackson, a delight to have you with us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'll mention, too, for our listeners that may say, that voice sounds familiar. Well, Pastor Jackson is the host of Family Oneness, heard on our sister station, Gospel 1190, The Light. And, of course, both that broadcast ministry, as well as the heartbeat and passion of yourself and your husband, Bishop Jackson, has been focused on designing a ministry that encourages and caters to families. And I'm curious, since that ought to be the space that all churches are in, and yet not all churches have that level of sensitivity, give us a little bit of a background, if you would, uh, Pastor Jackson, in terms of how God has put that burden on your heart and Bishop Jackson's to focus on that critically needed area of encouragement for the family. Well, I'll say this. It really started for us um, in the military. Um, Being abroad, um, both my husband and I both are veterans. We're in the Army uh, for more than... 20 years combined, um, we spent a lot of time with people that were not our biological family, but with that common goal of serving the Lord, you find a closeness that is just, it's, it's unexplainable. And without making anyone apoplectic and thinking about military and what's going on now in the news, that family bind, a bond is really what keeps our, our, our veterans together. It's what keeps our military force driving forward. So when we began to think about coming back to the United States and we thought about, you know, being being blessed to be in one of the most beautiful places in the world, San Francisco, um, went into prayer, and it was it was really a pressure on me around family, seeing the brokenness, seeing the lack of community, seeing the breaking apart, if you will, of mother, father, son's daughter, not being able to communicate. So I started with my husband this conversation of life coaching, and it started to go for a long time. And I found myself still not being able to get at the heart of the matter. And when we started to look at building a church, um, the Lord clearly spoke to me and said, from Genesis to Revelations, it's all about a bloodline. And that bloodline is the family of God. It just came to me so organically. It was in my heart. It continued to grow in everything that I, I did from my from my normal nine to five job, um, growing my own company now, um, being in healthcare. It just continued to evolve um, and, and just grow in my heart. So my husband and I took that on and it's been a labor of love. And it's exciting to hear you acknowledge the the dual layers here, because there's the family that we're born into, right? Our mother, our father, our siblings. Then there's the family that we are adopted into 
through Christ's blood as we get adopted into the family of God. And what a joy, because then suddenly our family grows exponentially, literally overnight. But that level of connectedness, encouragement, when the Bible talks about, you know, bear each other's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ, be an exhorter, encourage one another. It's talking about encouraging fellow family members within the body yes. of Christ. Yes. And, and the fact that you come from the military background, and folks that are not familiar, this is almost a nomadic life. You're told where to go. You're stationed for a season. You could be there six months, six years. It, you know, it's kind of up to the whim of, of what's going on in the world at the time and, and military instructions. And so then it creates at layers some instability because you make friends, maybe in, in home base, if that's close to home, you've got extended family, the grandparents are around, brothers and sisters, then suddenly you're moving. And now you leave all of that support network and you have to use those within fellow military families to create a new adopted family, a new support network. But the stresses that I would imagine, Pastor Bree, that that brings upon a family moving about and dealing with all that. And now grandma and grandpa are not down the street. They're halfway across the country or maybe halfway across the world. So the kind of encouragement that they can give and and, and the way that they play into the overall life of that family unit gets interrupted. And I would imagine that that puts a lot of stress, not only on families, but on marriages. Completely. So one of the things that I thought was really great about the base that I was stationed on, which was um, a base that was led by a Christian. Um, our general was a Christian and he believed in strong family values, but he made time for families to spend time together of all religious backgrounds, but specifically prayer. Um, there was prayer in the morning. You know, when you first get to work, people were taking the time to say their goodbyes to their family members, maybe even sending them away off base for education or for work. Um, I found myself being able to sit down with other wives and talk more openly, if you will, about the stresses and, and then have prayer. 5 a.m. prayer was a part of my every day. And coming back with that type of strength, um, this year I will be married to Bishop Jackson for 34 years. Oh, congratulations. So 34 years of marriage. And one of the things that God really did, imp- the, 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 the Spirit of God really did impress upon me was to have that truth and that clarity and that connection. But more importantly, it's the strength that comes from it. It's the strength that comes from being with someone that you know for sure is grounded in the Word of God and will do the things according to the Word of God. The military only strengthened our, if you will, our obedience, right? Our ability to be militant and follow directives and orders. But putting that into the context or the construct of the Word of God made it even more imperative that I shared the message about family wholeness, family oneness, family togetherness being able to sit down under all conflicts and bear each other's burdens, being able to uplift one another, to encourage one another in love for the goodness of God, for the goodness of God, that eternal goodness that comes from, you know, from, from, from yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that comes from Alpha and Omega, that comes from the beginning and the end. That type of goodness is where I really felt that the Lord drove me. I like to use that word, sheep, right? The shepherd, the great shepherd, the bishop of our soul, really did take me to this place called family oneness. And I'm fascinated by the parallels that shows in a very real way how the the hierarchy within military and the discipline in many respects mirrors that that we see within scripture not only in terms of the godhead. I mean that's clear, but but within the family, the covering of the father and the wife and the children, the need to be 
obedience. I mean, certainly when you're in boot camp, they drill that into you. You've got to do what the drill sergeant says. Don't think, just do. Trust. They've got a plan. They've got the experience. And that's not any different from our relationship from God. You know, we try to kind of take control, say, God, I got this. You know, instead of saying, Lord, (laughs) you know all things. You see all things from the beginning to the end of the ages. Why would I want to even begin to second guess and yes, so that yes. that learning to not only be a disciple but to to surrender and to be an obedient disciple not only is it you know the make it or break it you stay in the military or or you get the boot if you don't learn that in the military i think in some sense that's also true within our christian faith we don't get kicked out certainly but things go a lot rougher when we don't learn that there's a hierarchy, that God's got a bigger plan, and that he simply says, be obedient to my word, be obedient to my calling. If you do that, it will all work out. So I'm, I'm fascinating at looking at that, that synergy, so to speak, in your military experience and how it mirrors in many respects what God asks of us. You know, I, I, I take that even a step further. In the military, we're also taught that there's no giving up, right? There's this thing that happens when you go through training. And just to spend a little bit more time on this subject, I know for most of us, it's it's a, it's different. Um, we're taught never to really, we're shown that giving up is really not an option. And you, if you look at marriages today, so much of my time is being spent infusing that message into believers, into families, young families, mature families. This idea of not accepting the worldly standard of having a relationship very different than having a marriage. No, God has a bride. A, a man, he doesn't have a relationship. He is a bride. That's a much deeper conversation, a much deeper commitment. Um, and I find my husband, I work really hard on defining that for families. We work really hard on defining that for couples across the world. We still you know, minister to friends and families um, from, from Europe back to California. Our days are pretty well spent um, sharing that message. It's, it's one that I feel that um, if we could just get in the space where God can use us and understand that no is really not the option. Yes is the option. The yes and the amen is the best option. Yeah, that 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 obedience God will always reward. We're visiting today with Pastor Bree Jackson, who along with Bishop R.A. Jackson, pastors Solid Rock Cathedral of Faith in Vallejo. We'll take a brief time out, return to more of our discussion right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our visit today is with Pastor Bree Jackson, who along with her husband, Bishop R.A. Jackson, pastor of Solid Rock Cathedral in the city of Vallejo. I want to return to our dialogue where we left off just before the break. There's another aspect of this that I think is quite important, and maybe you can elaborate on this. You mentioned about the fact that you and Bishop Jackson are coming up on 34 years of marriage. Um, there are some people perhaps eavesdropping on our conversation today that say 34 <laughs> years. My goodness, I think I've been married 34 times. <laughs> you know, certainly that seems to be a growing standard in Hollywood. It's not unusual, you know, for people to be married six, seven, eight, ten times. That that sense of inconsistency there, and I wonder in your your viewpoint, how much of that is because of a lack of proper role modeling? You know, you think of the notion of the sins of the parents being visited upon the children. In this case, suggesting that if I grew up in a home where there was turmoil and strife and I constantly saw mom and dad going at each other's throats and their marriage wound up in divorce, 
we know statistically the likelihood of my own marriage later on, even though you go into it promising and never going to let that happen. I'll never be like dad. I don't want a wife like mom that's constantly, you know, all of this angst and consternation going on. We want peace. And yet we see those same errors repeated. And I have to wonder, Pastor Jackson, in your viewpoint, is that because we have lacked in so many cases, the proper role models that couples get married today and they don't know they don't they don't have anything to emulate so they really don't know what to do how to live well i'm going to say this i think you're talking about my testimony because when i married my husband um, he certainly grew up in that christian home and so did i but he had a little bit more of a better role model and he was also much more disciplined he was a non-commissioned officer and i was a general enlisted um, soldier and so he had a lot more resources and i was not in a space of being, being able to communicate or to convey my thoughts in a way that was not aggressive or being clear about what I was saying. It was really hard for me. And so one of the things we did is we started this prayer together and we started to look at ways in which we could talk. But I had, but I had no, formal train, no formal training on how to make all that a reality. And when God began to sh- really pull me into, to show me, to open up the word of God, I began to take on those, those verbs of the doing part. And so I noticed that as I began to do, the more it became a part of me, the more I began to pray, the more prayer became a part of me, the more I began to believe, believing became a part of me. And taking that that view and adding that to my marriage, um, I started to see a much better relationship, one I've never seen. I didn't experience. I grew up in a home where my father was not there and had divorced my mother. My mother had been married multiple times and also in a community that was not really re- able to provide me with the best of education and the best of, of, of life. And so I had to leave and go to the military. And so in that, in that plight that I chose, God was really using all of that for my good. And so he brought me to a place where I began to talk more and, 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 and be able to see and also to, to confidently trust God to lead me to the right resources. He leadeth us beside the still waters, the right resources to give me the education. I would not be here today if it wasn't for a community of believers, a community of people that love God, that really taught me how to be able to deal with the issues, to address those issues, and also to celebrate the the, the, be- the beauty of marriage. Marriage is, was never meant to be a trial, although I think if you were talking to Bishop Jackson, he'll tell you those first two years were a little difficult, maybe even three, but hopefully... Over time, we saw ourselves coming together, and, and, and absolutely now, it's without question, um, he is my he is my headdress, he's my best friend, and I love partnering with him in ministry. Um, and he goes off, just to say a little bit about him, he volunteers at the police department, he's a police chaplain, he works with the fire department, he works with the University of California, he goes there as a chaplain, provides additional services and resources, um, um, and also works very hard around suicide prevention. So a lot of this family that God gave us, the heart for family, it literally bleeds out into everything that we do. And, and I wonder toward that degree, even in your own life experience, coming from a family of origin that had its challenges, um, you know, I think of how enemy, what the enemy intended for evil, God uses for good and for his glory. If in some ways, Pastor Jackson, that has helped better equip you in your ministry today as you work with couples, husbands and wives to work through their issues that you bring perhaps a deeper understanding to the table because, you know, kind of the old adage, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. In, in that respect, does that help give you better insight as couples come to you for counseling? 
absolutely we my husband and I sit down now and we go through the the, the talk with them about what is reality, right? We also understand that the enemy loves to um, one of his jobs is to try to like give us a new birth certificate, right? Making us his children and we do the work that he does. But being able to have that conversation with them to say that those things are present, but they're not who you are. You belong to God. And so therefore the opportunity for you to to create a better a better life for yourself, a better com- communication for yourself, a better relationship is open to you. So we spend a lot of time in doing that. I spend a lot of time sharing some of my stories, but I think where the rubber really meets the road for me is in the kids. I have one biological child, her name is Alexandria, but I must have hundreds of spiritual children that call me today from all over the world, um, sharing that love with them where they could have a, if you will, a church mother and a church father is where we really do see the power of God and the miracles of God working. We've had children that were, you know, labeled totally negatively, those labels that we hear every day, that I don't speak out loud, but those types of labels, and even to the ones that have behavioral issues. Um, parents will initially start talking to us and find that, you know, God has really given us a heart for their children, but the love that God has given us for them and the love that God has given them the heart for us is where I spend most of my energy. Um, the parents come along. I like to say that parents can come along. And new couples, well, they join along. And before you know it, we have a village. But absolutely, that part is there. We use a lot of real-life examples. We also use a lot um, mostly based on the Word of God. There's a way of teaching the Word that reaches out to couples and to young people, that breaks yokes and breaks bondages. And it's that part that stems in truth and love. Love, what is it, conquers a multitude of faults. And so I like to use that love, the pure love of God, to really share the message of Christ with couples and um, even the ones that are more mature, and we just sit down and have a cup of coffee. All of that is glory to the kingdom of God. And, and that really goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Pastor Jackson, in terms of the, the layers in which we've got the nuclear family, the genetic family, so to speak, but then we have the extended family of God and being able to see ways in which, even if we come from a circumstance where maybe a, a young person, dad was never in the scene struggles growing up, single mom doing her best, lots of challenges, economic challenges, trying to wear both hats, mom and dad, all of that that means. And for somebody within the church to come alongside as a mentor and say, you know, you you might've been deprived because of sin and circumstances of a earthly father, but we all have a heavenly father that loves us so much. He gave his son for us and that God can bring people into our lives. I think of like a Paul-Timothy relationship, right? God can bring people into our lives that, while perhaps it, 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 not a perfect substitute for what should have been a intact family, mom and dad, again, sin and circumstances, but that God can restore. He can come in and, and restore that which the locust have eaten, right? And be able to bring about a circumstance where the kind of mentoring and encouraging and exhortation is necessary so that that cycle of broken marriages ends up getting broken so that then that individual, though they perhaps come from different backgrounds, challenging backgrounds, can nevertheless move forward as God calls them to become a father or husband, wife, mother of their own family so that the sins of the past don't get repeated. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's not only repeated, but let's call it this. It's amplified because the resources that the, that the young people have today really does amp those types of, if you will, issues. Um, I don't find that children can't communicate now. I find that they refuse to communicate now. There's a lot of that that's a part of this. 
And so what I've done is I started the Family Oneness Radio Program to really have that Sunday morning prayer for families. It's your encouraging word. It's your it's your it's your it's your energy source. But really taking that message during the week and finding ways to share it with from the youngest to 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 the to the parents. I find that I text more. Um, I find that talking to them really does work. But what I want to say about this part, just for a second, if you could go with me, is there's not just sins and issues, but the enemy seems to use those things throughout the communities, right? It's, it, it spreads over neighborhoods. My husband and I uh, walk certain neighborhoods and we pray. and We ask God for his will to be done. Uh, we pray for the children. Um, it just seems to go on and on and on. And so I find myself um, seeing God's word really break up that follow ground and be planting those seeds and then watching them grow takes patience, but it does work. Well, and the I word think, of God works. And, and I think the concepts that you're talking about, you know, are, are very apropos because this, the same attempt that the enemy uses to divide the family yes. divides cultures, divides nations. I mean, if there's a word we hear bandied <laughs> about more than division these days, I'm not sure what that word would be. And we're seeing it take place at multiple layers within our culture and society where we're talking about political divisions, racial divisions, family divisions, on and on it seems to go. We're watching the headline news right now, Sister Jackson, related to what's going on in Ukraine, and they're talking about dividing the nation. Well, here we are once again. The enemy has a very clear cut. He, he's, he's not very smart in that regard because he's got a very clear cut strategy in mind, divide and conquer. So yes. if we can understand how to unite and survive through the yes. power of the word of God, we can not only unite families, but I believe that this becomes like a, like a snowball. We start to see family unity and then community unity. We're together with our next door neighbors. Now, all of a sudden, the neighbor across the street may not look like me, may not go to the same kind of church as I do, but we can find layers in which we can find harmony and unity. Then with all of that, God can slowly begin to bring a community together that end of the end of the day will very much look like heaven. Because yes. I have it on good authority. Heaven is not going to be divided amongst the Presbyterians and the Pentecostals. And you're not going to have the African-American contingency over here and the Italians over there. We're going to be all united as one, saved yes. by one blood from one lamb that was shed on our behalf, serving one God, empowered by one Holy Spirit. And if you look at that, even we talk about the triune God, that unity is integral to everything that God does. So if we can begin to learn how to bring the family back together and set up a fortress around us that it is impenetrable by the enemy to come and divide and conquer because we know what he's up to, I believe God can use that at multiple layers to not only heal the family, to heal a, a community, to heal along racial lines, and to heal a nation. I see it. I see, I'm, I'm, I'm over here. I'm so excited. I can barely stay in this chair. I see it when I travel, when I go, and it's, I, I like to use this because it's a little bit different than our California living. Um, some, my husband and I also have a home in, in Arkansas, so we go there often. Um, but I also travel for revivals. I still do that thing called revival. I know, I know. It's archaic, but I just can't get away from love it. it. Love um, it, love it. I love it, love it, right? So I do this women's program, and I start out just really teaching them how to do careers. And the Lord morphed that into family. And I see it when I go back to visit. I see the husband dropping off the wife. I see the men asking when we would do a men's program. I see the children. I see God's power working, which is encouraging for me to run on. Don't give up. And so I find myself watching exactly what you said. I went there first to talk to their director of public health. 
they had an issue. I'm in healthcare. They had an issue. So I thought the best way for me to help and to be of value is to do a women's program. Now that same public health officer tells me their, their stats are going in the right direction. He's seeing positive change. He's seeing a reduction in disease, better disease management. It works from the physical to the spiritual. It works. The word of God never fails. And it's not going to fail our families. We must get in and do the work of the one that called us. And that work is opening up our mouth wide so God can feel it and begin to talk more about the living family, the living family of God, from the husband to the wife to the children, from the from the mature to the young. God is working on the family. That bloodline of Christ is what the enemy fears. He knows when your sons and your daughters rise up in the morning and they give God glory, that he can't attack them by noon. He knows that he can't come in and begin to destroy their mind with drugs and abuse if they're rooted in the word of God. He knows those things. And we must make sure those things are still available and accessible for them where they can receive it and live it. We're visiting today with Pastor Bree Jackson, who, along with Bishop R.A. Jackson, pastors Solid Rock Cathedral of Faith in Vallejo. We'll take a brief time out, return to more of our discussion right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our visit today is with Pastor Bree Jackson, who, along with her husband, Bishop R.A. Jackson, pastor of Solid Rock Cathedral in the city of Vallejo. I want to return to our dialogue where we left off just before the break. And this is so fundamental to Scripture because essentially we're talking about, at the core, what true discipleship looks like, that, that, that modeling and mentoring, right? I mean, effectively, if you look at that, if you look at Philip, well, there, there's an example of modeling and mentoring. It's amazing. I have an opportunity once in a while to talk to saints that have been in the Lord if they're in their late 90s, early 100s, that have been walking with the Lord for 60, 70, 80 maybe 90 years. And one thing that always strikes me is that oftentimes when you ask them about their spiritual journey, they will talk about how that they remember seeing their mother start the day every morning in prayer or how dad in the evening, when everything had settled down after dinner, would gather the family together and read a couple of passages of scripture and then get some dialogue in the family going, or how dad and mom would come tonight, tuck the kids in bed and lay hands over them and pray. And then you've got this dear saint who, again, is now you know toward the end of their life here on earth, talking about how those models for them showed them how to live their Christian faith, and they have likewise followed in suit, that they laid their kids down and prayed for them every night, that they have gone to the Scripture every evening before going to bed, because that was the way they were trained up, right? Train up a child. And I think this idea of of demonstrating that kind of of mentoring and modeling from a spiritual level, of course it's going to, it's going to, leech into every other part of life. God is not just here to save us from from eternal damnation, but he's here to save us. He's here to restore us. He's here to bring us new health and new life. And so I think oftentimes maybe we just sell ourselves too short because we've got the blinders on, do you think? I do. And I think we also are so influenced by those, those, and I'm going to call it 
these worldly messages, right? About we don't really have to strive for excellence. I, I, I know this about my grandmother who raised me. Um, she was a Christian. She was from the South. I think I've talked about this. If you've listened to Family Oneness, you'll hear me say something called a band turnout. But really, it was a, a church women's group that got together once a month and they shared recipes and they helped one another and they shared, you know, their plights in life and they shared their testimonies. And it was like a strength for her. And so it was very natural for me to have a women's prayer group. It was very natural for the North Bay Leadership Women's Group to come out of this. Very natural. But what I find is that we get a little bit discouraged because this newer generation, they're a little tougher. They don't necessarily just say yes first time you talk to them. You may have to work it out in them. You may have to be, you know, stand up to rejection. You may have to have a little bit thicker skin. But I say this, it's worth it. It's so worth it. My grandmother used to say, do not quit until the, the darkness arrives and then God will take over. And I used to love that. She said, you know, work while it's day. When darkness arrives, you can quit, but then God will take over. I take that same type of um, determination in my life today. When a start, God takes over. If you're witnessing to your children, do not give up. God will take over. You work while it is day. God will take over. And so that whole idea of having a model and then also a message, but more importantly, a commitment where they know that you're not going to give up on them. So many of my young um, males, uh, 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 ch- uh, children in our church, um, they used to, I used to say it, try me, right? They would try me to <laughs> come to church because they were being forced to come to church, but they really weren't participating. And so, um, and I'd say, you know what? The thing about me is I'm going to love you so long and so well, you will miss me when you leave. And you'll come back. I used to say that to them. Um, It was messaging. And through life, they've gone through so many things. We've been around for over 12 years. And I've watched God raise boys into godly men. We have, they're in college just now. Never thought they'd go. They graduated, have jobs, nurses. We're so excited about what God is doing. But really, it comes back to that, do you love me question. Do you love God? And if you love God, then you understand that love produces so much power The messaging of the world has no response to it. The enemy didn't have a response on the cross. I'm getting excited. He doesn't have a response today. He didn't have a response in the garden, and he doesn't have a response today. God's love, it does conquer all. Overcomers by the power of their testimony and by his word. And, you know, you think about that unconditional love shown toward us. I say it all the time on the program that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There was no negotiating there. He didn't get up on that cross and say, well, you know, that Craig Roberts, he's going to be a scallywag someday. Him, I'm not so sure about. No, unconditionally that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. And if we take that approach in the influence of those around us and with our children, if you just pour unconditional love into them and no matter what they do, no matter how they act out, how sometimes they will try and test you to see whether or not you are genuine, you are the real deal. And if you pass the test in the same way in which we try God all the time and find out, yeah, his unconditional love is the real deal, I believe God can use that to then draw these young people back to you. Even if you're someone listening right now that says, but Craig and and Pastor Jackson, you don't understand. We raised up our kids. We took them to church. Now they're involved in drugs. I've got a son that's in jail. I've got, you know, another one we've not heard from in three years. All of this turmoil going on. Don't give up. Because God's got a plan. 
He is faithful, and his word will not return to him void. If you poured his word into those kids, the day will come. You may not know the day or the hour, but the day will come that, like the prodigal child, they will return. Maybe not on your timetable or your terms, but God is in charge. You just have to trust him. Yes. Amen. I also want to share with uh, uh, a quick moment here. Not only does the love work, but the word works so much of what we do as pastors. We spend so much time. I know I do. um, I'm sure many of my counterparts do as well. We spend so much time encouraging. But the other part is to be encouraged by what you see. So much of what we do, the enemy draws our sight, our view into the negative on a daily basis. He almost makes it toxic for us to always think about the negative. But as people of God, as believers, we have to believe that good is here. We have to believe that miracles still work. We have to believe that the Word of God works. I know that I'm saying something very simple, but I myself have stickies all over my computer to remind me, to remind me that God is on the throne. Jesus Christ sits at his right-hand side. The Word will work, but so does believing Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen. Well, Sister Jackson, we appreciate so much you spending some time and your heart with us today. I want to encourage listeners to be sure to tune in to Family Oneness with Pastor Bree Jackson on Gospel 1190, The Light. And if you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area and looking for a new church home, why not come and check out the church family at Solid Rock Cathedral? They meet at 611 Amador Street in Vallejo. Service times are Sunday at 10 a.m., both in person and on Zoom. And then Wednesday evening Bible study at 6.30 p.m., Again, in person and on Zoom. Complete details about the ministry online at solidrockcathedral.org. That's solidrockcathedral.org. And if you want to call, you can get more information by calling area code 707-267-7729. That's 707-267-7729. Pastor Jackson, thank you so much for sharing from your heart today. It, it's a delight. Your your enthusiasm is not only electric, but it it is permeating. And and I think listeners will certainly appreciate hearing more of your heart uh, by tuning in to Family Oneness broadcast with you. And then, of course, we invite folks to come and join you and Bishop R.A. Jackson any Sunday morning there at Solid Rock Cathedral. Thank you so much for sharing your heart today. Thank you for having me. It's a blessing. Have a blessed, blessed week. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to this edition of Lifeline. You know, as we look at issues like sports, certainly this is a great pastime for us to kind of get a a sense of enjoyment and escapism. But we've also come to understand that sports can teach us many valuable things. Teammanship, endurance, uh, certainly the sense of uh, personal success and performance. But we're also discovering at many levels that sports can also teach us some deeper, more enduring lessons. Joining me now is Dr. David Cook, president of the Texas-based Peak Performance Firm, Bridging the gap between sports and business performance. He is former director of Allied Sport and Performance Psychology at the University of Kansas and the author of the best-selling book, Golf's Sacred Journey, Seven Days at the Links of Utopia. Dr. Cook, great to have you on the program with us. Thanks for having me. uh, I appreciate it very much. This must be an exciting time for you as well, now seeing your book, Golf's Sacred Journey, making the leap from uh, print to now the big screen with release across the country of Seven Days in Utopia. Tell us a bit about uh, the story here that is behind this film. Well, the story takes place in a little community in Texas called Utopia, and uh, there's a really, I guess, minimalist 
you call it a minimalist little golf course here, nine hole golf course. It's built around a cemetery. And uh, one day when I went out there and saw this beautiful cemetery next to this really pathetic driving range and golf course, I just felt the sense and the urging from the Lord to, 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 to look deeper, to notice some things. And I began to notice the significance of how profound the simple was. And I felt like the Lord just said, this is a place, write the book. And, you know, a day before that, I had no idea how to be writing a book. So I went home, got my computer out, put my hands on it. And about eight hours later, they stopped. I just felt like there was a real download of a story. My background is in sports psychology, as, as, as you mentioned a minute ago. And so I was able to take my experience with this beautiful little spot in the world and create a story that was a different way for me to speak and to share the ideas that I've been given that I think will help people not only in performance, but in life. And uh, what came out was this book. It was, it was a pretty amazing experience and an uh, incredible journey. Now, the story here is a story of Luke, uh, who I understand is a talented young golfer making his way along the pro tour uh, in, in, in some respects. I mean, there are certainly big figures that we know of, names that we're all familiar with in the world of pro golf today that might come to mind out of whose life at certain levels tends to kind of mirror some of this. But ironically, along, too, with that, uh, escaping some of the pressures of the game and uh, finds himself along the way stranded there in Utopia, Texas. What are some of the key lessons that you're hoping viewers uh, find? following the readers to your best-selling book, Golf's Sacred Journey, now with the new film, Seven Days in Utopia. What are some of the lessons that you're hoping they'll extract and walk away from beyond just a good time at the movies? Well, yeah, this is way more than just a good time at the movies. One of the things we try to teach, I really want to share some ideas about performance that I think will help people, but the main, main point there is that life is bigger than performance. It's way bigger than the scoreboard. And uh, many of us get knocked out of our game or taken out of our game by the scoreboard or by successes and failures. And this young kid had a meltdown. And he spent seven days with an older, wiser gentleman that used other elements in the environment, like fly fishing and flying an airplane and uh, painting and picture washing and things like this that drew him out of, sort of out of the game of golf, but taught him deep principles about how to play better and also how to live his life deeper. And it culminates in the scene in the cemetery where he really challenges him about what's Septaf going to say and what's you know why is he doing what he's doing, changing the kid's life, and then he re-enters the world of performance with a new attitude, a new heart. And at the end of the movie really gives us a picture of what performing as a Christian would look like. What is it? What is the purpose, and how can God use that in our life? So it it uh, it's a full circle. You know, we incre- we included the faith in there, and and also some teaching from the sports psychology. And even though there's a lot of golf there, it's, it's really more of a life story than just a golf movie, for sure. Yeah, that certainly struck me in watching the trailer. I, I thought, you know, there's aspects of this that go beyond simple lessons that we can utilize, you know, whether it's on the golf course or on the field, uh, that, that certainly are applicable toward performance in the arena of sports, but on the grander picture, at a deeper level, lessons that I think, uh, Dr. Cook, are applicable to, to what we do in life, given the fact that, you know, while the scoreboard might be one measurement of success on the field, there are other scoreboards, so to speak, that we use in life that that sometimes as we're adding up the score might tend to be pretty discouraging. And so out of that, you draw a lot of very strong biblical principles to help lead people along the way. 
Absolutely, and um, they're, they're, it, the whole movie is built around biblical principles. And but it's not a heavy-handed movie. And, and in fact, I think that it's one that we prayed about deeply when we were making this that you can take your friends and family to. Um, and it's a, it's an opening, and the movie is the beginning. There's a, there's an opportunity at the very end of the movie for people to continue their journey that will lead them to another another option for their life. So this is unlike most movies. Uh, it's a beginning, not an end. And I think it was so well cast. I don't think we told our audience this yet, but Robert Duvall plays the the wise mentor in this movie, and he's uh, you know he's one of just about every, probably all your listeners one of at least in their top ten favorite actors of all time. He does a great job with this. Then Melissa Leo just won a Best Supporting Actress. She's also in there, um, and Lucas Black, who is a real player, a very good golfer, is in our movie. He was. Uh, and Sling Blade and Friday Night Lights and is is authentic. So it's the most authentic golf movie, even though I'm telling you it's not just a golf movie. It, everything's authentic about this movie and real. You can feel the you know, you can feel this community of Utopia and you can feel the experience as you watch this. And Duvall, of course, no stranger to um, spiritually based or, or thematic films, has performed in other uh, films that have that same kind of feeling to them or genre about them. Uh, and and what, what encourages me about a film, as you point out, of this sort, and that is that it's not just a beginning, a middle, and an end, uh, but as you leave the film, as you walk out of the theater, I think many viewers, as much as they would be after having read the book, Golf's Sacred Journey, walk away with a sense of, of the opportunity to get fresh beginnings, uh, to move past some of the maybe bad choices we've made in the past and find new life, new direction moving forward into the future. Yeah, they, they have an opportunity to, to leave this movie and begin all over. Or, as we say in the movie, the uh, young man buries some old lies that he was living by, like his score, was his identity was based on his score, um, that uh, um, how he played... Uh, told everybody about who he was as a person. And I think all of us get caught up in that, you know, sort of kind of the, 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 uh, the arena of being judged by others according to what we do. And so this is a, there's a real, there's a real moment in this movie where he gets it and, and, du, and Duvall delivers it so well um, to get him sort of out of the game of the world and into the game that God called us to. Yeah, that, that whole idea of success in life, uh, not always measured of a man by, uh, you know, how much money you make or how good your golf score might be, uh, manners and, and fashions in which normally the world measures success, but rather a measure of the man is is much deeper than that. It sure is. And, you know, that's the that's message. That, you know, the, the, I guess the main message of this movie is that most people are looking for more in their life. They're, they're, they're searching for something, the meaning that's got to be deeper than, you know, what they see around them. And the answer to that more is in this movie. And uh, I, I think that's a universal question. What, what else is there? You know, there's got to be more. Uh, it, it goes beyond just the typical couple of hours in a movie theater escapism. Uh, it, it walks away. You walk away, I think, with a sense of being encouraged uh, and can be a, a wonderful tool for reaching people that are struggling. And I think, uh, Dr. Cook, in light of what's going on in the world around us today, we know a lot of folks that are struggling, uh, challenges at work or economic problems, uh, layoffs, all of these things. And people are looking to go deeper and higher and, and find more significant meaning in life where they can measure their success beyond just what they've done in the world of sports or business. And finally, Dr. Cook, the book, I would imagine, available through Amazon.com if folks would like to pick up a copy. They can. It's also available at linksofutopia.com, linksofutopia.com. And we have so many uh, interesting things on that site for people uh, like me walking around in Utopia and showing people around. Go to that site. That's a, that's a good one to 
Links of Utopia.com. Dr. David Cook, thanks so much for being with us on this edition of Lifeline. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Thank you.